eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata. I'm joined by Josh House and Aaron Sutton. The Miami Dolphins coming off a loss to the Buffalo Bills, looking ahead to their game against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. After winning two in a row, the Dolphins are back to their ways, getting, I wouldn't say blown out, but getting beaten pretty handily, even though the score totally didn't reflect it, as it was going back and forth for a little bit there. And then the Bills were able to pull away, but the Dolphins reverting back to to uh, the regression to the mean, I should say, after having a lot of penalties, a lot of mental mistakes. But for those fans who are hoping for a uh, high draft pick, the game worked exactly as they had hoped it would. And now the Dolphins will go against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday without much of their secondary. Xavier Howard already on the injured reserve list. Adding to that, this week was Rashad Jones and Bobby McCain, who are also placed there. Eric Rowe moving to the safety position, still learning. And the Dolphins' secondary is a complete mass unit. And uh, if you were to look at that secondary unit and try to name off everyone, I think you'd have a little tough time doing that and figuring out who is who. There are so many new players. And, and it seems like the Dolphins now are on pace 
to finish within, I believe it's going to be end up being within the top three picks. Although they have some easy opponents coming up, but in the NFL, nothing is easy with the way the Dolphins are going. Who knows what can happen? I do think they will see Josh Rosen pretty soon, which we'll touch on later in the show. But to begin, we'll start off with with the running back position. And in terms of how poor that's been since Mark Walton was suspended. And now Mark Walton is off the team due to the fact that he allegedly, according to police reports, punched his girlfriend in the in the face or wherever that he punched her while she was pregnant after he found out that she was pregnant with his baby. That is absolutely uncalled for. It's disgusting. I'm glad the Miami Dolphins did the right thing and cut him right away. He had a huge opportunity in front of him. He was RB1 on this Miami Dolphins team. Who knows if he would have been RB1 next year, but I guess you can say after a while, a zebra will always show its true stripes. Mark Walton running in with the police out in uh, previous stops as well, getting cut from the Cincinnati Bengals, getting that second chance in Miami, but it is all for nothing as he is no longer on the team and probably never will get a chance in the NFL. Now, Houts, Sutton, especially you, Houts, I know you were a big fan of Mark Walton. Before this news came out, obviously, no one's really a fan of him anymore. But he was running hard. He was running well. He was hitting the holes hard. He was doing everything the coaching staff asked him to do. And now we have Kalen Balaj, probably one of the worst running backs in the NFL, if not the worst running back in the NFL. What is your takeaway from this? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's very, very, you know, uneasy to hear that what he did to his girlfriend. You never want a guy or to lay their hands on a woman and then to do it in that manner. You know, this is the fourth time he's been arrested. You mentioned me being a pretty big fan of him. He's averaged three point eight yards per carry this year. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy what he's done behind that offensive line. But there was absolutely no excuse for what he did. I think we all saw the video of him like leaving the courtroom. He was skipping. He, he just looks like a, a guy that's just, you know, he's battling inner demons and you just hope that he can pull it all together because he's 22 years old. And that's kind of where I saw the potential. I did see a guy that when he was drafted, he came out of the University of Miami. You know, he had that RB1 potential, was going to be Joe Mixon's backup there when Giovanni Bernard went down. The Dolphins gave him a chance and he showed every sign of being, you know, like you said, an RB1 He's light years better than what Kalen Balaj has done behind the same offensive line. He's averaging 3.8 yards per carry. Kalen Balaj is, I think, on pace to, you know, have the worst in, I believe, NFL history based on a running back having that amount of touches. He's averaging 1.9 yards per carry. Again, it's absolutely disgusting what he did. Uh, I hope that he can turn everything around. I hope that he can, you know, uh, can better himself because he, you find out news that, you know, you, your girlfriend's pregnant and then this is the way you respond. There's definitely something not right with Mark Walton. Again, he's been arrested four times in the last year. The Dolphins, though, they have to move on from here and they have to figure out who their running back is. I don't think anybody can sit here and argue that they're going to draft a running back in the 2020 draft class. They're probably going to invest a very high draft pick in. I will have an article up next week on the Finsider breaking down some of those prospects, but I want to see Patrick Laird. I don't know how you guys feel about him. I see a lot of potential there. I see kind of a Danny Woodhead in this New England-style offense. But Kalen Balaj, I mean, he's been absolutely atrocious this year. The only way they can seem to give him any opportunity to, to find those holes is out of the wildcat formation. And there you're using deception, using other, you know, things to kind of to hide his imperfections. And I just wish that Kalen Balaj became that player that a lot of people expected because 
all offseason long, everyone kept saying, no, he's at RB1. There was battles between him and Kenya Drake between the fan base. He's nowhere near Kenya Drake, and I think that's why a lot of people were upset the way the Dolphins handled Kenya Drake. Again, they need to figure out this running back position. I just don't think you can put all the blame on the offensive line when, again, Mark Walton is almost doubling what Kalen Balaj has done this year. So, again, terrible to see. You never want anybody to lay their hands on a woman, especially in this manner, finding out that she's pregnant i just hope mark walton could turn things around but again the dolphins have to look forward to or move forward with what they have on the roster and i do think that patrick lair miles gaskins they need to get some of those touches because caitlin Bellagius isn't doing it as far as mark walton's concern you know i won't play armchair lawyer here i, I wasn't there so i don't know what happened i just hope that the young lady is okay that the, the baby's okay and that there's some type of peaceful resolution to all this and uh, that a family doesn't get torn apart before it even has a chance to come together. Patrick Laird is somebody that I'd, I mean, why not look at him some more? Because are we going to tolerate another Sunday where, where Kalen Balazs goes for 14 carries for eight yards? I mean, what's the point, guys? So why not look at Pat Laird and let's get a true 1A, 1B running back committee here and, and see what happens. And we're going to be going up against a Cleveland defensive line that's going to be down a couple of people. Uh, it's hard to see, or, or hard to tell, I should say, what type of Browns team you'll see show up on Sunday. I'll be there, so anybody that's going to be showing up, go ahead and get a hold of me on Twitter or on thefinsider.com. But, you know, are we going to be able to establish the run against uh, the Cleveland Browns? Are the Cleveland Browns going to come out with a chip on their shoulder? Are they going to want to put all this behind them? They're going to come out motivated, or are they going to come out distracted? So that's kind of where I was going with what Cleveland team is going to show up. At any rate, let's let's try to set up the run here. That's going to make the game shorter and give the Dolphins a chance to win this ball game. Uh but I've seen enough Kalen Balazs, so my vote is let's see some more Pat Laird. Speaking of players that we may not see anymore, Rashad Jones. Do you guys believe that he has played his last snap as a Miami Dolphin? Yes, I do. And it's been kind of an unceremonious last season yeah. for him, too, just because, you know, he played in the first game, then he played in the fourth and fifth game, and then played in the tenth game. So it's like one of those seasons that never really – could never really get it going and just because of that you it was kind of a flat year for Rashad and that's just not a way you want to see a player like that who's put so much on the line uh, made so many splash plays for us so many highlight reel plays one of the true playmakers for the Miami defense over the last few years uh, to see him go out on such a kind of bleh note I kind of feel bad for Rashad so uh, hopefully Going into next year, he'll land on a team where maybe he could uh, sniff the playoffs and maybe get to a Super Bowl or something like that. But, you know, a 32-year-old uh, on a team that's really trying to rebuild and that, that contract figure, I don't think there's any chance he comes back unless it's at a, a, at a, a renegotiated value. Yeah, I completely agree with Sutton. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Sutton was kind of leaning towards, you know, trading him or moving on from him earlier in the in the year uh, because of that large cap that he cap hit he brought to the team. But again, he has been one of the most dynamic playmakers on that defense over the last several years. You hate to see the way that these last few years have started to, like Sutton said, he's kind of deteriorating. You want to see him go to a potential 
playoff team and, and have a chance to win a Super Bowl because this guy is, you know, he is one of the better strong safeties in the NFL, and you just haven't been able to see the same Rashad Jones over these last several years, whether it be the shoulder injury, whatever it might be. Uh, I do feel like he has played his last down in the Miami Dolphins uniform. Flip over to Bobby McCain. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, one year he looked great in the nickel spot. He got that, that big contract. They decided to move him to safety this year. Had a lot of up and downs. Eric Rowe, I mean, he's seemingly starting to, you know, he kind of took on that Minka Fitzpatrick type role and just kind of run with it. I mean, this seems to be a fit for Eric Rowe there in that defense. But this Dolphins secondary, as, as Kanata touched on at the beginning of the season, I mean, they got Nick Needham right now, who's playing out of his mind. But aside from that, you got Jamal Wilkes, you got a couple other guys here and there. The secondary is essentially Swiss cheese, and I, I don't know how Odell Beckham and, you know, Jarvis Landry don't go out there and just feast upon it. Hate to see Rashad Jones if this is his last time with the Miami Dolphins, as we I think we can all agree it probably is. Bobby McCain on IR, the Dolphins secondary is absolutely depleted. I'm excited to see the way some of these young players can produce over these next few weeks because you will see whether or not they do have potential to be with the Dolphins long-term, like Nick Needham has, again, once again, proven uh, early on throughout his career. So a lot lot of question marks there in the secondary. And again, I think Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, if you're into fantasy football like we all are, play those guys because there's a very good chance they're going to feast on Sunday against the Dolphins' defense. <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> Jarvis Landry revenge game. He's talking about it this week. He's calling this a revenge game. And I'm not sure why it's a revenge game for Jarvis Landry. I, his problem was with Adam Gase, who was no longer here. Uh, I think if it, there was any other coach in Miami besides Adam Gase, the Dolphins would have kept him. They, they tried to keep him. The front office did, at least from what I know. It was Adam Gase who pushed to get rid of him. So obviously Jarvis is hurting his feelings. Let him be hurting his feelings. But yeah, you're right how it's uh, Beckham and Landry are going to feast on Sunday. I, I think there's no doubt about it. It's going to be it's going to be ugly. And again, like I said at the top of the show, for those who are hoping for a high draft pick, I think you're going to like this game on Sunday. I don't I don't see any chance the Dolphins win this game. Yeah, should I should I go with Cleveland in my survivor league? There's only Ooh. four. There's only four people left, and I, I won't even take four up the people time left. to list every team that I've picked thus far. But well, what, what you... options do you have? What options do you have? Well, I'll here. You do have to I guess, remember. I guess what I'm getting at is, would you go to a game with that's Dolphin what, yeah. gear on and be okay with the other team winning? That's what I was going to say. You're I taking mean, your sons, right? Is this not their first game? I mean, no, no, no. Uh, no, I'm going – I'm actually going with my dad for the first okay. time ever. Well, that's – I mean, that's just significant. I, I don't know that uh, – That's I'm, I'm torn with that. I mean, I do think Cleveland's going to win the game, but to go there, willingly pay money to go watch your team and – I mean, party has to hope they lose, <laughs> right? Because it's probably a pretty big pool, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's almost seven hundred bucks. So that's a Twitter wow. pool you should do. I, I would do. A Twitter I should. Pool. Yeah. Okay, so I could go. I could go the Bears against the Giants. Chicago's at home. They're six point favorites. Uh, that's risky. And Chase I, Daniels I, is starting, right? <laughs> yeah. So that you know, they might have Brock Osweiler syndrome and come out and play with their with their hair on fire for a game or two, and then peter out. I can't choose. Yeah, I, I can't choose Pittsburgh over Cincinnati. I've already used Pitt. Um, okay. So yeah, I got the Browns versus the Dolphins. I can't use New Orleans versus Carolina, even if I wanted to. I could pick the Raiders over the Jets at the Jets. Ooh, that's another that's one. A, that's a uh, that's, that's a tough one. They they've been playing good, yeah, they're but traveling. I, they're traveling. Yeah, they're doing the 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 three time zone thing, and yep. the Jets are at home, despite you know how bad they've sucked at different parts of the season. They still have Sam Darnold back. So 
Uh, I could pick the Seahawks over Philly at Philly. I'm not really I can't, liking can't do that, that either, man. Uh, can yeah. I pick? Can I pick Detroit over Washington at Washington with Matt Stafford possibly not playing? Yeah, that's a tough one too. <laughs> I, I would narrow it down to four, and I would I'd make a pool. But I, oh man, that's tough. Any dude. other game? <laughs> any other game? I can't take because I've already taken those teams i could take i could take uh the ryan Tannehills over jacksonville jaguars uh, <laughs> game two that's a tough ryan, one too ryan Tannehill yeah. will come back and cost you a lot of money <laughs> you know damn well he will I, I would, <laughs> seriously if i went on that game i would go with Tannehill, and that's the game that he would go like 11 for 34 for 82 yards and two interceptions and a fumble here's and the Nick way Foles i look, look like the super bowl mvp Here's the way I look at it. The Browns are going to be emotionally charged after last week's game against the Steelers. They're going to be – they're a desperate team anyways trying to make the playoffs, and they're going to be out to motivate and prove – motivate themselves and prove to the world that they're not going to let Miles Garrett derail their season. I think they're going to come out firing on all cylinders. I think they're going to put away the Dolphins, and I don't think this game is going to be close. I mean, you really got to think that the secondary is going to struggle, but they're oh, still yes. – there's still that part of me. I've seen this Cleveland team play uh, pretty you crap. Know. Defiance, you know, <laughs> and and if and if we can get some type of pass rush against them, which has been possible this year, if we can get some pass rushed on them and kind of minimize the the injuries that we have in the secondary, and we limit the time they're in coverage, then you know who the hell knows? Baker Mayfield might have three or four turnovers. Yeah, that's why that game. I'm I'm almost like I think everybody else is going to take that game. Maybe we'll shock the world, and I kind of go against the herd and pick one of these other games, even though they're more of a coin flip on paper. I Detroit, don't know. Detroit might be a good decent luck. one. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Do, yeah. Do you think Stafford's getting? Never mind. Let's go on with some Dolphins news. Yeah. All right. So uh, we kind of talked about the Bill, the Bob Bills game, the Browns game there. Anything else that you guys are looking forward to? We're, we're hearing a lot about Ryan Fitzpatrick, his arm being hurt and his shoulder being sore. And I saw Matt Infante put up on Twitter today. The Dolphins are just setting this up for Josh Rosen to take over in December. And you could almost think that maybe they'll put Ryan Fitzpatrick on injury reserve. Um, I don't know if they would do that, but. This team has been putting a lot of players on IR this year when in a normal season, when trying to compete for, you know, a winning record, a playoff spot, these guys will play through that pain or take a week or two off and then get back into it. But there is no incentive for the Dolphins to win the rest of the season beyond establishing that winning culture. But if they shut down Fitzpatrick, then it's Rosen's team. He has no one looking over his shoulder and he could run with his team in December. Do you think there's some kind of conspiracy theory going on with that? Or do you think it's just, this guy is old. He's getting late into the season, and it's catching up to him. Well, we we had mentioned going into the Buffalo game how surprising it was when we went up to Buffalo and we only gave up one sack. Well, this past Sunday, it was a little more what we're used to. The Dolphins' offensive line gave up seven sacks. And so when you have a bunch of big, beefy dudes landing on you a lot throughout the game, that can kind of take its toll. So you don't know if it's just kind of a, a short-term dealing with – getting sacked seven times or there's something a little bit more sinister at play in terms of his health. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I like watching Ryan Fitzpatrick play quarterback more than I like Josh Rosen. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. 
Yeah, I mean, he's 36, so to sit here and say that, you know, they're trying to go out there. And I don't think, again, anybody really was truly tanking other than, you know, maybe the front office was trying to set things up that way. But he said in his interview, yeah. and I forget who asked the question, but he did respond with, they're like, okay, so it seems like you're putting your entire body into those throws. And he's like, I am. I mean, this guy, again, he's 36. <laughs> he's he's getting the crap kicked out of him, for lack of a better word, and he's going out there and making some throws that he's putting a lot of torque behind it. So at some point, I do think the shoulder injury is going to catch up to him. I do think it's going to benefit the Dolphins because they need to see what Josh Rosen can do. You know, if he wasn't ready at the beginning of the year, and I will admit, uh, he looked terrible at the beginning of the season. You know, he came in, he, he kind of jump-started offense a little bit. I believe it was against Dallas, and then things kind of went back downhill. If he truly is starting to learn a little bit, they're trying to fix some of those mistakes, let's see what he can do in December. I, I don't know that this team, it's even in their best interest anymore to tank, especially if they want to, which we're going to talk about to end the show but again i don't think there's anything sinister here i think you know he's 36 years old he's played in the nfl for a very long time those hits are starting to catch up to him those passes that he's starting to make are starting to catch up to him and i think a little bit of that fits magic slowly starting to wear off today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you your budget your life your style and if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We saw him play the last few games uh, not very inspiring, and it could be just... Like you said, Fitzmagic is starting to wear off, and I would not be surprised for the Dolphins to insert Josh Rosen into the lineup once they, uh, you know, get into December months and kind of move towards the end of the season. Give him a shot and see what he can do after he's learned so much in practice over the past few weeks. Let's shift over, like you said, to Tua Tagovailoa. Let's not talk about him, but let's talk about the NFL draft, okay? Tony Pauline, one of the uh, more respected guys in the NFL draft industry, PFN, Pro Football Network draft analyst, insider, released his first mock draft of the season, going to be one of uh, many to come in the next few months. He, he's hearing things in scouting circles, and uh, he's mentioned numerous times that the Dolphins, dating back to last year, and it's been all over the media. It's one of the worst-kept secrets in the NFL. We said, I believe it was on last week's show, that there are people internally pushing for Justin Herbert still. And Mike Tannenbaum was the leader of that charge. He's no longer with the team, but there are still Mike Tannenbaum holdovers. And Chris Greer is a lieutenant almost of Mike Tannenbaum, or at least they share the same thought process. Tony Pauline in his mock draft, guess who's going to the Dolphins in his predicted order with the Dolphins finishing five? Justin Herbert. Second quarterback off the board, he has Joe Burrow going number one to the Bengals, and he has Andrew Thomas to the Redskins, Chase Young to the Giants, Tristan Wirfs to the Jets, and then it's Justin Herbert. Pauline said in his mailbag last week and that you can justifiably make the case that Herbert has the least amount of downside risk of any quarterback who may be eligible in the 2020 NFL draft. He's the safest quarterback pick, though Tony doesn't know that he's the most dynamic. Houts, I know you've been looking at some film cut-ups of Herbert. What have you seen on film? I, I, I almost – part of me feels like that he's just that flavor – He's not the flavor of the month, right? Because he's not flashy. He plays in the Pac-12. He's out West. By the time his games start, people are getting ready to go to bed on the East Coast. You don't get a lot of uh, national attention on a guy from the West Coast. Is it just that he's not the flavor of the month and is flying under the radar? 
or is there a cause and a reason that he's not getting the attention that maybe you think he should be? For me, I, I've been a pretty big fan of Justin Herbert, dating back to even last draft class when they thought he was going to come out. He stayed in school to play with his brother a little bit. I do believe he would have been the QB1 coming out, and that was before the whole Kyler Murray thing, before he you know, took the world by storm. So I think Kyler Murray was definitely going to go to Arizona because he was the right fit. For me, I think a lot of the reason people don't like Justin Herbert, and it's, it's crazy to me, is that somebody at some point compared him to Ryan Tannehill. And I don't know if it's because he goes out there at times – Looks lethargic at times, you know, maybe he just doesn't yeah. quite seem to get the best grasp. He isn't the guy that's going around, you know, in the players' faces. I believe one coach said he's one. Of, he was the shyest player he's ever met. But to me, I mean, Justin Herbert's got the physical attributes that you look for in a quarterback. He's got the big arm. Yes, he has some accuracy issues here and there. But to me, and, and I said it before, he kind of reminds me of a more refined Josh Allen. I know a lot of people compare him to Carson Wentz. I've said he's kind of the love child of Carson Wentz and Josh Allen. To me, that's a quarterback that, you know, you want your franchise to – to build upon. I don't think that Justin Herbert can come in here and start day one. I don't think it's in any of these rookie quarterbacks' best interest to come in here. Again, I do think Tua is the guy, at least for me, that I think would best run this offense. But you have to think that, you know, Chris Greer, and we talked about last week, and, and Marvin Allen, who drafted uh, Josh Allen up there in Buffalo, you have to think that those guys that fell from that Parcells tree, yes, you know, the, the league was a lot different back then, especially at the quarterback position. But Justin Herbert, I mean, he, he's got the speed. He's got all the intangibles you look for in your franchise quarterback. I think at some point, again, it came down to someone saying Justin Herbert equals Ryan Tannehill and anybody that's ever watched him play a football game. Uh, I mean, you see a tall white quarterback. You know, if that's your comparison, uh, I'm sorry that that's what you see, but I just don't see it. I think Justin Herbert uh, can be the starter here in Miami. For for me, it comes down to is he better than a Joe Burrow or even an injured Tua Tungvaluwa, and I think I would still take that risk with Tua. I know that... Tony Pauline had him falling to the New England Patriots, which that would just absolutely devastate me. If the Dolphins had three first-round picks, even if they draft Justin Herbert, if you can't if you can't find a way to prevent Tua from falling to New England, you know you deserve the mediocrity that's going to follow. But again, go out there, make make judgments based on what you see, and don't listen to what others have said. Anyone that says he's Ryan Tannehill, that's just an ignorant comment, and I, I don't think. Uh, you know, I think Justin Herbert's far more refined than Ryan Tannehill was at this time in his career. And again, this guy's young. If he comes in here, learns behind uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick for half a season, gets the offense down, gets the accuracy issues and some of those timing things down, I think he'd be the, the right quarterback in this system. And I do think he will be a successful starter in the NFL. Tua Tagovailoa, let's hold that until the end of the show after we go through these next two picks for the Dolphins. Sutton with... Tony Pauline's next pick for Miami, predicting them to come in at the 20th pick, and that pick is coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has them selecting Alex Weather Leatherwood, offensive tackle in from Alabama. And Pauline calls Leatherwood a great building block at left tackle, displayed plenty of next-level skill lining up a guard for the Crimson Tide, but his game has taken off since he moved to left tackle to replace Jonah Williams, who was drafted this past season. Pauline says... He displays impressive footwork, fundamentals, and balance. Son, I'm not going to ask you much about Leatherwood, but I'm going to ask you this. The Dolphins traded away Laramie Tunsil in this offseason, right, for, for more picks and a bounty of picks. Say that drafting a left tackle in the first round makes absolutely no sense because why would you trade away Tunsil? Do you have any thoughts on that as to why that might be the case in terms of the Dolphins traded away Tunsil and now they're taking a left tackle in the first round? That makes no sense, right? Or does it make sense? Enlighten us. Well, it, it, because it's the second first round pick, it obviously depends on what happens with that first first rounder. So 
with Tony's mock draft, we went quarterback with the first pick. So then, yeah, we've been talking about what would the Dolphins go offensive line or would they go defense with their second pick? And it makes sense to go ahead and protect the quarterback. Now, where it, the waters get a little murkier is when you, you, you kind of automatically go to, well, what have the Patriots done with their draft classes and how do they approach these philosophies? And you've seen a couple investments in tackle, you know, Nate Solder uh, a few years back, Isaiah Wynn was drafted as a tackle recently, but it's really not as many as you think. They've been particularly good in like the second and third rounds, getting interior linemen. And uh, also, uh, Sebastian Vollmer, I believe, was a second-round tackle that they had for several years. So where they are striking hot is in that second and third-round area. So it does remain to be seen, you know, would the Dolphins prefer um, waiting a little bit longer and going for other premium positions, maybe like a corner? Or do they just say, you know what, this is uh, – we, we need to get this franchise quarterback protected right this second. Now, as it relates to Laramie Tunsil, you could argue maybe we got a lot of value there because, A, we drafted a player that shouldn't have fallen to us in the first place, and then we turned around and capitalized and turned that into multiple first-rounders and a second-rounder. So then when you're just using one pick on that, then you look at, well, what's the difference between that first-round tackle we just took and Laramie Tunsil? Is there enough of a difference between those two players to justify not having all those other picks and having all those other rolls of the dice that you can also get other blue-chip players at other positions? You know, I've always kind of been in the trade-down get as many draft picks and as many players as you can. And I think that's essentially what happened here. It's almost like the Dolphins traded down and left tackle premium, but also are getting a coup in a sense. And the fact that they have other chances to get a lot of other good players. And you also cannot forget about the money factor too, right? Laramie Tunsil was going to demand a lot of money as a free agent left tackle. If they draft a left tackle this year, they get them on a rookie deal for four or five years. And so you can't it, discount that either. Yeah, when you look at the, you know, going back to the Patriots, they, yeah, they draft tackles. They don't typically re-sign them to their second contract. So uh, that that definitely probably had something involved in that thought process there. Right. And we, How, and we can't also overlook, you know, the offensive line and some of these key areas of need, they're absolutely going to be shored up in free agency because, again, the Dolphins have $130 million to spend, so that money has to go somewhere. I would not be surprised if the Dolphins, you know, they use both free agency and the draft to figure out this offensive line because, you know, like Sutton said, they gave up seven sacks against the Bills. The Bills have a very good defense, but you just can't win football games in the NFL if you're giving up seven sacks. Agreed, 100%. Moving on then, talking about sacks, talking about offensive line, talking about people behind the offensive line, is a running back, and Tony Pauline has mocked DeAndre Swift from Georgia to the Dolphins at the 23rd pick from the Houston Texans. And pairing Herbert with Swift with Leatherwood, sign me up. I'm not in love with Herbert. I, I can get on board with it. I don't love it. I, I think I'd rather have Burrow or Tega Viola, even with the hip injury. But if that's my first-round draft this coming April, I, I'm, I'm in love. And I think people will say, oh, you don't need a running back in the first round. Well, I say 
look at the Raiders. Josh Jacobs is lighting it up in Oakland, and he is a big spark in that offense. And they're really, you know, leaning on him to provide that balance that they so desperately need. So how it's, you talked about Kalen Balazs, you talked about Mark Walton. How would you see DeAndre Swift fitting into this team? And is that a pick that you can get on board with? Yeah, I can absolutely get on board with that. And I think a lot of people do believe DeAndre Swift is the number one running back in this class. Obviously, there's Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, Travis Etienne from Clemson. You know, they got Cam Akers in Flor- at Florida State. There's a lot of good running backs in this class. So I think when people saw that, you know, maybe some of them, they don't believe in using a first-round pick in a running back. I mean, I say I wanted right. Ezekiel Elliott how many years ago. I, Saquon Barkley's looking just fine. Christian McCaffrey might be the best player in all of football. So you can't sit here and tell me that investing a first-round draft pick is a dumb idea. In a running back, I think that, you know, like you said, we're not all in love with Justin Herbert. I think he has all the intangibles, but I, I would absolutely rather have a Joe Burrow, a Tua Tungvaluwa, maybe even a Jordan Love. But if you get your quarterback, at least by, you know, if, if they think that Justin Herbert is their guy and they draft him and then they get an offensive lineman at, like like Leatherwood, who, you know, is highly sought after. And then you come and get your running back, an RB1. I mean, that is one hell of a, a first day of the draft. And I think you have to look at what. Oakland has done just like you said and they brought in this influx of youth talent and they are still being very competitive that is how you hope the Dolphins can fill their roster and you know become competitive and build a sustainable winner because that's what this is all about so sign me up I mean I know Tua falling to to New England we're gonna again talk about that that would be very painful to see but getting a franchise quarterback potentially sure up your off the offensive line and then getting your running back I mean who, who wouldn't be be ecstatic with that if Tua falls to New England, like Tony has mocked him in, in the draft, the entire NFL will self-combust. Every fan of all 31 other teams, Twitter will blow up, Twitter will die, and, and it will just be hell. All hell will break loose if the Patriots get Tua. And no, I don't think there's any way that Tua drops to 31. I think what you saw Jalen Smith get drafted by the Cowboys at the top of the second round a few years ago. I mean, you're talking about a quarterback who is projected to go – Basically, number one overall, people calling him one of the safest quarterback prospects to enter the NFL draft in the past decade or so. And to have a team, especially in a quarterback-driven league, I don't think there's any way he drops out of the first round. Now, I also don't think there's any way he falls to number 31, but I could see the Patriots trade up to get him, as well as other teams try to trade up to get him. But... Then again, if you're sitting there and you just see him dropping and dropping and dropping, even if you're picking Justin Herbert, I know you this will never happen, but man, I, I personally like Tua. I like the guy a lot. I like Joe Burrow. I like them both. I'd be happy, ecstatic with either one of them. Herbert, I don't love. I can get on board with it, but I don't love. Anyways, going back to Tago Viola, you know, uh, Pauline has mentioned plenty of times and on his most recent podcast on ProFootballNetwork.com, the Draft Insiders podcast, he, he talked about the medical checkups and how no one's going to know anything really until the combine. And even then, we're only going to get bits and pieces of it because that's really when the scrutinizing is going to start taking place and the leaks are going to start happening. And, uh, you know, I mentioned to him as I was recording the podcast with him last night, I said, well, Tony, you might get teams that are in love with him who leak bad info on purpose. And let's not discount either. So even after the combine, we're still not going to have a really good idea. We're not going to have a good idea about Tua Tagovailoa until he actually gets drafted. 
And that's why this offseason is going this offseason is going to be absolutely miserable. It's going to be absolute hell. And it's a twist in it, in a sense, right? Because remember, we were at the beginning of the Dolphins season, right? We were saying this team is not going to win a single game. They're going to have the first pick, and they're going to control everything about the offseason. Then they do something funny and start winning games. And we see the Bengals being absolutely atrocious. We see the Redskins being atrocious. We see other teams in the mix as well. And now it's like, okay, now what? But even... Even if the Dolphins still had first place, a first seed locked up at this point in time, and if it looked like they were going to get it through the end of the season, they still, still would not have all the answers, even in that driver's seat because of this injury. And, and I think even at that point, the Dolphins offseason, for fans in the front office and for coaches, would be an even bigger mess. At least if they don't finish with the one seed, they can choose the other two quarterbacks on the board still. At the number one spot, that's going to be a ton of pressure on whoever's making that pick there. How sign your thoughts? Yeah, this is definitely a high-pressure situation on any medical staff. That's you know that's what's going to be the ultimate determining factor in this situation. And we've seen before that medical staffs aren't perfect and they can get things wrong so just all I can hope is that the Miami Dolphins have the best evaluators of these types of situations and that they make the best decision possible if if two is on the board we need to know are we are we pulling the trigger on this thing or are we still you know when you are picking that high it may seem like it's really easy to take that risk but I can promise you it's not and it's not easy, and they're gonna they're gonna check a lot of different things to make sure that if they do make this decision, that they have very little doubt, if any at all. Yeah, and that's kind of where I sit. I mean, I sit here and I tell you that Tua Tagovailoa is the quarterback that I want for the Dolphins. But if they get the third overall pick, or you know, a top five pick, why would a franchise, you know, put all of their marbles into a guy coming off a hip injury? And you're right, we're gonna not know a lot about what. Tua's health truly is until we get closer to the draft. It is going to be a miserable offseason. I mean, the season's not even over yet, and it's already kind of, you know, tiresome the way that this is just an everyday conversation. The guy hasn't even been hurt for a week yet, and we're already talking about where he's going to go in the draft. He hasn't <laughs> even declared it, for being completely honest. And it, it's just going to be crazy. And, you know, we sat here and we think, okay, well, if Cincinnati gets the number one overall pick, we have a better idea of how, how this is going to unfold. We have no idea. They could like Justin Herbert more than Joe Burrow. They could like Tua Tomovailoa, and they'd check out medically and go that route so you know none of this is going to be decided until the Miami Dolphins are officially on the clock you just hope that Tua can come back from this hip injury because like you said I mean he is a once in a generation town at least many believed he was he was a guy that again I think fits what the Miami Dolphins want to do on offense uh, I just don't know and it's coming from a guy who, who absolutely loves Tua and wants Tua more than you know maybe most people but I just don't know if a team if it is in a franchise best interest to invest a top five pick in a guy that's coming off and there's tons of uncertainty so you, you can sit there and not take him and and have a chance of missing out on him later with a Pittsburgh pick or you can take him right there and have a chance of it completely being a bust I do think if any team in the NFL has the opportunity to you know take that risk it is the Miami Dolphins with three first round picks but again there's so much left to figure out about to us so much left to figure about out about all these prospects because no one knows what Cincinnati is going to do no one knows if Washington could take a quarterback you know if Haskins looks like crap the rest of the year who knows if their next head coach doesn't want their own guy so there's lots of uh 
intangibles here that could change things one way or the other. Just let it play out. But, yes, it is going to be a miserable, miserable offseason. And all we can do is just sit back, relax, and, and hope the Dolphins have the right people in charge to make the right moves. Because we remember back, like Sutton said, you know, they went Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees, and it's haunted us for many, many years. Okay, Houts, let me throw this out there just as just to be devil's advocate. So let's say, what if the plan all along was actually to have Ryan Fitzpatrick play year two as well? Would that change your mind in terms of, of rolling the dice on Tua, knowing that we weren't going to start a rookie quarterback anyway? So, and, the, and here's why we would do something like that. We know that it takes longer for offensive linemen to develop now. So what if we planned on drafting some trenches uh, like we talked about in the last show uh, after we invest in Tua and just hypothetically and we allow Ryan to play with that offensive line and let them develop for a year before the rookie quarterback then comes in to year two ready to play would that change your mind at all personally i think it would and i do think we can't overlook that ryan fitzpatrick did sign a two-year deal we know that his arm's kind of starting to fall apart towards the end of this this season there so it seems but if that was the plan all along and i do think that you know what better guy to be in there mentor the rookie quarterback we saw what happens when you just throw a guy out there to the wolves it pretty much almost uh you know ruined josh rosen's career Ryan Tannehill had a, a bumpy start, so I think it will be in the Dolphins' best interest to have a veteran like Ryan Fitzpatrick go out there, like you said, wait for that offensive line to gel, and then, you know, maybe not next year, but the year after you're bringing in that rookie quarterback. I just see it this way. If Tua Tungavailoa was the target all along, and again, nobody has any idea that that was their intent, uh, it doesn't matter who comes out and says about the report. I, you know, Mike Tannenbaum, I don't, I don't care who it is. No one in the Dolphins organization is going to leak who that quarterback is. But if Tua Tungavailoa was the plan all along and he does check out medically, I see no reason why, like you said, you don't go draft him top five wherever you need to do to draft him. Let him sit a year because the Dolphins aren't competing in 2020. You know, the Dolphins are not going to go out there and they're going to win 10 games next year, regardless of what people expect, regardless of how good of an offseason it is. They're not going to be competitive in 2020. So why not, you know, go out there, get the guy that you truly, truly covet, let him sit, let him get fully healthy, you know, 100, 200 percent healthy, and then come out there in 2021. You got your quarterback behind the offensive line. that's already taken their bumps. You're, you're, you got another offseason. You got two more first round picks. You got all that money. That is when you can look for the Dolphins to compete. And then at that point, you got Tua Tungavailoa, a once-in-a-generation talent, coming in there, leading the Dolphins to what you would hope would be, you know, 9-10 wins. So uh, I think that would be the perfect situation. I do think that would change my mindset as well as theirs. But, uh, again, no one knows. Let me just say on the podcast uh, last night, what there was released, sorry, Thursday morning on, on Pro Football Network, Pauline said that there are people close to uh, Tagovailoa who are telling him telling Pauline that he will, in fact, enter the draft, and it is just about confirmed. So you're, we have that. You heard it here first, or, or here Twitter, first. or wherever you said it, but some, somewhere <laughs> you heard it first. <laughs> um, but, but let's play a game. Let's play a game. Let's say the Dolphins, uh, wherever they land up, right? Let's say two, three, four, whatever, and they draft a guy like Chase Young or Andrew Thomas at left tackle. Or, yeah, that's basically what that would be in that range. And then they, let's say the Steelers have about the 12th pick or the 11th pick, and I'm just making stuff up to go with my narrative right here. But let's just roll with it. And at 11 or 12, Justin Herbert's on the board. Tua Tagovailoa's on the board. 
Jordan Love isn't on the board. Jacob Beeson's on the board. And the Dolphins pass up on Tua Tagovailoa and pick somebody else. Could be Justin Herbert. Or, or actually, let's do this. Justin Herbert's already drafted. Dolphins don't draft him. He gets drafted by someone else. The Dolphins are picking with the Steelers pick at number 12 or 13. Tagovailoa is the best quarterback on the board. And the Dolphins go in a different direction and draft someone in the trenches. What's your reaction? Is it Brady Quinn heartbreak? Because <laughs> I don't. I remember this day. Now I'm done. Of how I felt when the Dolphins passed up on Brady Quinn. That hurt. That hurt a lot. Yeah, that was that was one of the most devastating. And you look back <laughs> on it, you're like, okay, you look back on it, you're like, okay, they probably dodged a bullet. But I still yeah. remember, remember sitting there, and you just knew he was going to be the pick. And then they yeah. went Ted Ginn, and I can still feel that pain. So it would be that yeah. times a hundred, and I, I really don't wish that on anyone. <laughs> We're always going to be second guessing ourselves as Dolphins fans. So it doesn't matter what happens. We're going to assume that um, there's some evil at play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's you're right how it's 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 already miserable this this already draft season is miserable and it's going to get even more miserable as we keep going on and just imagine the weeks and the days leading up to the draft when all the rumors start flying out right and those weeks in the week leading up to the draft it's going to be hell hell on earth as a Dolphins fan this year not looking forward to it yeah, basically, if that happened, it would be like Ryan Tannehill, except he's not on our team. We would just talk about Tua for years and years and years and years. <laughs> yeah, and he wouldn't basically. even be on our. He wouldn't even be on our team. But I guarantee we would do it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Any last thoughts, boys? Now, wish me luck surviving in the dog pound. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, man. Good luck, and hopefully. Uh... You know, if if you go the Cleveland route in your your Survivor League, I hope the Dolphins get dis- dismantled. If you don't, go Dolphins. <laughs> go Dolphins, fins up. All right, that's going to do it for here, for us here on Finsider Radio. For Josh Houghton, Aaron Sutton, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami.